All right, welcome Woo! again, everyone, to the communication solution here with the IFISC team. And we are here as always to help you improve the outcomes of the individuals, organizations, and the communities that you serve, particularly with a motivational interviewing evidence-based lens. And today we have a very interesting topic to get into that I'll of Tammy kind of give some context around because it could be interpreted in a variety of different ways. And Tammy, I think you just muted yourself, by the way. So if you wouldn't mind, I was going to kick it over to you for giving us some context to the topic of MI as it relates to maybe negativity and communicating that with someone and what it means when you're trying to use MI and someone you might perceive as being negative. So if you give us some context of where this came from. So this is a question from one of our listeners. So thank you. You can send all questions to Casey at IFIOC.com, C-A-S-E-Y at IFIOC.com. Um, but this question has to do with uh, um, someone in like the school district or education industry. And, um, you know, part of the leadership team, sometimes they help with uh, teachers and uh, teachers as they help kiddos. And um, one of the leadership team members said, you know, sometimes it's really hard because the teachers will be really negative in regards to the capabilities of their students, um, not assuming positive intent, like we often talk about. And so um, how, do, how do I communicate to them that they're maybe being a little negative? So that's kind of where this question stemmed <laughs> from. Well, it's great. I think we heard a lot. I mean, there's, I think people feel it a lot personally mm -hmm. and professionally. Like, how do I let people know that they're being negative? So it's a great, great topic of conversation for yeah. this. Hence why we decided to do this for a longer podcast mm -hmm. also. Which allows yeah. me to go off way down more bunny holes and, and <laughs> uh, go on way more off ramps and, and have all sorts of interesting conversation on this one. Yeah, so, visuals and analogies and all sorts of stuff. I'm looking forward to hearing because- We'll spew uh, ad nauseum out of my mouth, sure. <laughs> yeah. Because this is an interesting one. I'll just say, you know, that there's, there's a sense of us diagnosing the person as negative, right? Yet at the same time, there's a real world, non-heady sense of this person isn't believing in the kids. They are, they are you know, more- qualitatively just not seeing the wholeness and fullness and potential in their kids, right? And so then we see that as negative, for example. So then how do we go about navigating that? I feel is a different question than how do we go about letting that person know that they're being negative, right? And so I think it's kind of opening this up of like how we navigate it given the factors at play is an interesting question versus like if my intention is to make sure that person gets that they are being negative. I think that's a different question. Well, John, I think you have a good point. I'm, I'm pretty sure the intention is not, how do I let them know that they're being negative? But the intention is how do I navigate this? Like you said. So I, I'd say we can go down that route because that is probably the bigger question. People are going, how do I navigate a situation like this? And I think we can address both because I think there's times that people just want to let somebody know that they're, they're being negative. Perfect. Um, so <laughs> yeah, let's, let's that's why there. you gave it 30 minutes, Tammy, is because, so we can do, do both. Perfect. Uh, so, and I, I think the thing that for me, you know, listening to what you're talking about and looking at it through an MI lens, I don't think we need to parse it out 
and separate it all that much. Like, how do we deal with it and how we navigate it or what do we do with it is, is similar. And the first thing, like, again, so much of this goes back to MI 101, but I think it's so helpful is first thing we need to look at is our own writing reflex. So like John says, it doesn't need to be heady, like who thinks they're being negative. It's just, if it's a negative, feels like it's a negative conversation, we all have skills enough to be able to see if people around are seeing it as a negative conversation. It's negative. We can, we can feel that it's negative. We might be getting triggered differently, which is a different thing we can talk about. Irrespective, it means your writing reflex is getting triggered. So, you know, just a quick breakdown, you can listen to a longer podcast on it, but just basically the writing reflex is what you're hearing is not right, according to you. So your writing reflex is getting triggered. Um, you want to make it right is another form of the writing reflex. So the first thing you need to manage and mitigate is your own writing reflex when somebody's being negative, which is extremely difficult to do. Very effective, but difficult to do. So the first thing I think of is you got to manage your writing reflex if somebody's being negative because you want to make it right. You want to put them on the right path. You want to make them not as negative. You want them to, to realize that they're having a negative impact on a team or on you or on a family or on whatever's going on. You have to swallow all that down, which is really difficult to do because it's going to trigger you. If you don't sw swallow it down or be able to find a way to mitigate that, it is going to pull you out of equipoise. And again, concepts we talk about a lot. So let's just say everybody knows writing reflex, everybody knows equipoise. So let's just say, first thing you need to do is manage your writing reflex. You need to be able to stay in equipoise. The whole point, strategically, what you want to be able to do is how do I hold a mirror up so the person can see themselves? Mm -hmm. If I grab them by the back of the head and try to shove their face into the mirror, guess what? It is going to generate more resistance. They're not going to see it. If they can feel that you are pointing out that they are being negative, it is going to generate resistance. Yes. It is going to generate excuses and resistance. Yes. What you think of, and again, this is the complexity of strategic reflective listening, is how do I hold a mirror up so they can catch an angle of themselves? If they think I have an agenda, I'm trying to they will not look at the reflection. They're going to look at me and it's going to generate more resistance. Mm -hmm. But in the example, Tammy, you were bringing up like in a, in a school setting and maybe a, a teacher is being particularly negative about a particular student. I think I would assume, this is a base assumption on my part, that most teachers don't want to see themselves as being negative towards students. Mm -hmm. So if I can find a way to hold a mirror up that they catch an angle of themselves going, but that's not the way I completely, some of the stuff I'm saying is true, but that's not the only way that I feel about this student. And I definitely want the student to succeed, but I think these things need to be called out. Literally, I can use that as a reflective statement. So part of you is really invested in this student, very invested in this student. And you think it's imperative that people see some of this information. And it would almost be startling or hurtful to know that people perceive it as really negative the way that you talk about this student because that's not your intention. Your intention is to make sure they get the services and supports they need even if people are perceiving that what you're saying is incredibly negative, almost like you don't like the student you're setting the student up to fail. That, that doesn't sit well with you. That's a very strategic reflective statement, right? And when they catch themselves in the mirror and then what it's gonna be is how 
much does that affect their perspective? They can look at that and that can put them on the defensive. Yeah. They could look at that and go, no, 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 that's not my intention. I gen I adore this student. I really want them to be successful, but I pe- I need people to understand how significant these behaviors are. Yeah. So that the way this is why, how do you call somebody out for being negative or how do you navigate the situation is fairly similar if you're looking through an MI lens. You don't call anyone out in motivational interviewing, but you can be very provocative and provocative provokes. And how you hold that mirror up can be very provocative. Um, it can provoke a reaction. Mm-hmm. You can provoke a really negative reaction, or you can provoke a uh, me culpa, like that was not my intention reaction. Yeah. Now that I see myself in the mirror, I can see why people are seeing me this way. That is not my intention. The thing that we can pave the way even further, more advanced, is by saying that is never your intention when you're in a team meeting is to shut people off or to come across as negative. We can assume positive intent. So not only are we doing what we're mirroring for like a teacher to do about that student, we're actually using that on another level in the meeting when we're talking to other professionals. I like that because you're modeling it so they can learn, hopefully. But at the same time, yeah, it it feels so much softer coming that way and not so judgmental. It's it, and, and I, I, what I always think of with really smart reflective statements, really strategic reflective statements is it's so much more impactful when you're walking out of the house and you catch yourself in the mirror and go, oh my gosh, I didn't notice that versus somebody calling you out and saying, why did you wear that? Yes. Like that doesn't look good on you. Yes. That is, that is gonna generate a defensive response. But if you catch yourself in the mirror on the way out going, oh my God, I didn't notice that. What am I thinking? Yeah, that is a more profound, a deeper impact. And that is literally the nature of how do I hold the mirror up and what has a higher probability of what it's going to generate. If they catch themselves in the mirror when they're home alone, catch themselves out of the corner of their eye in the mirror and see something that they're not comfortable with is different than when they get outside and somebody calls them out and says, hey, what are you doing wearing that? Well, and honestly, this, this is going to take it down another path. But the impacts of, as a leader, being able to communicate this in such a healthy way to team members is so instrumental in helping them be successful. Because to your point, yes, you're, they're either going to get defensive if you just call them out on it. But if you're able to do it in this way, they roll to find a little bit of awareness and without the defensiveness to be able to move forward to fix it. Because okay. I don't know whoever's listening, but you know, if someone calls you out on something and like a business meeting, you're like, you get super, you know, defensive and it sucks. Whereas again, if someone as a coach tries to stand beside you and kind of help you and bring something to your awareness without judging you in that moment, then you're like, oh my gosh, that's how people perceive me. And then this this is a really powerful part of this navigating this because Casey where you left off is where I'd very much like to keep going and then we can relate it to leadership and and modeling for sure but it's that how are we you know defining and perceiving defensiveness because Casey you brought it up where that person all of a sudden it's not like now they're like oh thank you I'm gonna just give you a bunch of change talk just for me to change it's like that person in that moment has some sort of desire or motivation or need that right. this is something that needs to be heard. They don't want to possibly perceive, or maybe they're not perceiving it that way. But like you brought up a really important nuance that I think 
you know, Tammy, you're just getting out uh, the defensiveness. I just wanted to bring that up, that doing that can have someone explain, which I think is the difference that we talk about of blame and blaming and getting into blame talk is that more defensive place, but getting into explaining that they need other people to hear it. That's what you were getting at, Casey, that I would love to kind of talk about a little bit more is say you were speaking to that teacher and you said that sort of eloquent um, sort of reflection of like you're, you're, you're not as worried that other people would see it as, as negative and things, you really want the best for them or however you had exactly phrased that so it resonated, but then they still were saying, but I need people to realize the level of significant challenge these, these children face. So once we're there, I'm just wondering where do we go from there, either in the business meeting or with this teacher, because technically they're not uh, giving us you know, change talk and motivation talk per se, they're giving us explanation of why they believe what they believe at that point. So where would we go from there, for example? Well, again, I mean, we can get theoretical or philosophical on it or even strategy or technique, but I'm just going back to basics in terms of you need to get engagement first and then you need to get focus second. So if you can hold up those reflections, like I was talking to Tammy about and just saying, you know, here's your best case scenario, this way you're hoping, this was your intention. And this is the part that, you know, that bothered, you know, this is the part that would be shocking to find out people found, felt that it was negative because that's not your intention. Then you need to listen to their language first to find out what's going on. Are they going to get defensive? Are they going to say, yeah, but and give you excuses? Are you going to get more resistance talk, sustained talk? You're listening for the types of language. But ultimately, John, what you're talking about is then once you get back to a state of neutral, so they're not on the defensive now, what do we do next? Is you focus on, just like MI, engage, focus, plan. Focus is going to be further up the mountain. You know, and as a team, what we're trying to do is we want to provide the best possible supports for these students for the best possible outcome. We want them to thrive academically, and we don't want these these ancillary issues to have an impact on their learning environment. We wanna actually provide all the supports and resources they need so they can focus on their academic improvement and growing and nurturing, nurturing themselves through education. That's what we wanna do. That's why we're all here working together. You're gonna you're gonna be hard pressed to have people stand up and say, how dare you, that's not why I'm here. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna succeed. I mean, this is how we get people refocused. But what I just said is not a plan. There's nothing concrete about what I just said but it's getting refocused on what's the ultimate value or ultimate goal. Once we get clear about that, what we talk about in our trainings is getting focused on the top of the mountain. Then you can start to rappel down the mountain with a focus on the top of the mountain and go, okay, now with this student, with these issues, how do we keep this in mind as we're navigating this stuff down here? What about this assessment from this teacher is really imperative? And what are other things we need to take into account as we're building a plan to help the student get up to here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's engage, focus, plan, and pursue. It's, it's what we talk about. And so once you get that engagement, once you can hold the mirror up to let someone know that they're being negative, but if I'm trying to tell them they're being negative, no matter how much I try to tell them, it is going to have a higher likelihood of generating resistance. Mm -hmm. The more I can hold the mirror up in a neutral way where it doesn't feel like I'm pushing energy on them, but hold the mirror up so they can see themselves in the mirror, the higher the likelihood it's going to generate a, an ambivalent response. I didn't know that's not my intention, but this is why I was doing it. You're going to hear a lot of yeah, but. Yeah, but, but am I here? It's good. There's ambivalence here. There's reasons why they're doing what they're doing. There's reasons they want to change that. That's what I'm going to listen to and what I'm going to orchestrate. 
I'm not going to move straight to solution. What I'm going to move to is focus. So once I get the ambivalence, I'm going to get them focused on because this is the kind of educator you want to be. And this is how you come into these meetings and what you want to contribute to help advance the outcomes of the individual. And we're trying to figure out as a team then how do we take this information and maximize it so everybody's, you know, kind of rowing in the same direction so the student is academically successful as possible. And we, as a team, took that into account and orchestrated it. Yeah, the key piece there seems to be, in my experience in working with people for coaching and training, is really getting and reorienting to the top of the mountain for the team in this case, or the intentions of all involved. And it's like when, you know, we talk about using MI in groups, you know, and, and and that sort of process, getting everyone, or you've talked about it in couples therapy or parenting uh, therapy of, of bringing people on the same page, be it the same struggles or the same intentions, and getting out of how that person is being negative so much as that we're, as maybe Tammy was saying, assuming positive intent, that they have positive intent as you were using in your reflection, and then you brought up maybe how it's going to get possibly perceived as negative or whatever you feel you need to do there to keep that on the table if you want to bring it in, but that where you're ultimately going in this process is what are their deeper core values and drivers for why they're doing what they're doing and why we're on the same team together and where are we going together. And I think that reorientation that you just provided can be helpful to not slip into all the what's in the house right away which is, oh, they have this negative perspective, so I'm going to have my self-fulfilling prophecy of their negative perspective and then have confirmation bias about everything they do is negative and as we plan, create this underlying resentment or whatever, you know, all the psychology that can happen from this versus just going, oh, okay, so when I brought this up from equipoise because I was managing my writing reflex, they just don't feel either able or confident or they need people to see that these children have disabilities that are way worse than these assessments give credence for, you know, or whatever it is, so that that can be heard and engaged with, as you talked about. But when it's heard and engaged with, it's not just pure empathy, it's guided towards how this person cares about these kids, how they want them to be successful, how we all want on the team to be successful, and reorienting and, and interviewing more towards the top of the mountain, I think is such a critical thing that you brought up that that I know I can lose and a lot of people can lose is you're so to the what's in the house of this initiative or this thing or, or here's what's required by the state to do all these things that we get lost in the immediate plan like you said the concrete plan I think it's just so important that that reorientation and then taking into account what the person said given that there are these disabilities or obstacles in the way for the kids it sounds like even with that going on, you still want them to be successful. So you want to figure out a way for us to work together with the resources we have. So it's not that you negate any of that. It's that you hear it and take it into account then in relation to your shared motives to create a plan off of that. And it sounds like it's just a lot more work, but it also sounds like it's going to garner a lot more than if you were to just harness and harbor all the negative thoughts towards or about this person and never try a different approach at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting because I don't know if, um, again, you guys have read any of the leadership books or something, but there's one like radical honesty or something where, you know, you're just, 
you try to just be as blunt as possible. And there's pros to that, of course, but you know, people can understand where they stand with you and all that, but there's so much hardness to that type of communication that can lead to some miscommunications. It can lead to some resentment, some defensiveness, all that type of stuff. Whereas again, this method, sorry, I'm going back to the leadership. It, it just makes it so much more softer and is still much more effective and efficient and productive. So. And again, I think this comes down to intention and what outcome do you want? Like with radical honesty, there are so many pros to that. And it can, it can allude to the fact that it may be better for everyone, but fundamentally it's just better for you. Yeah. You being radically honest, it gets you off your chest. You're transparent. I'm responsible for myself. I'm responsible for how I communicate. And from a radical honesty perspective, that covers that base incredibly well. Yeah. It, it takes a little less into account about the reactivity of the person or where their brain is at and how they receive it, which could actually contaminate the relationship, but at least you've got it off your chest. And you're very clear and transparent and you've owned your part of it. So there are, it depends on what your intention is in the communication. Um, so, and like you're saying, what's, what's softer about it with an MI approach is it is by nature, it is more other person centered in reducing resistance and tension. So it leads to less contamination. Mm -hmm. It's designed so there's no contamination to eliminate discord, to eliminate tension, to eliminate resistance. So we get access to the other person's brain. From a radical honesty perspective, you're still operating from your brain. Mm -hmm. From an MI perspective, you're really looking at the other person's functioning in their brain. And how do I get the best access to that? This is why for me, it always these conversations always clean up what MI is and what MI is not. Mm -hmm. um, MI is a very specific method of communication for reducing resistance, eliminating discord, to get access to ambivalence, to help people resolve their ambivalence so their behavior aligns with what their deeper values and goals are. Mm -hmm. And to come in for the plan to do that. It's a very specific process for a very specific reason. Um, so, and so in the examples of when someone is being negative, I take what John was talking about, you know, and talking from a, a school perspective. And at the same time, I was thinking about, because you know, we're talking from a group perspective or team perspective, but it's the exact same thing I was thinking about when John was talking about for a parent, yeah. you know, parent is making decisions or they have behaviors that could be counterproductive to their child being happier and healthier. And if you ask a parent, do you want your child to be happy and healthy? The majority of parents are going to say, yes, I want my children to be happy and healthy. And it would be startling to think that some of your behaviors are actually counterproductive to that. Mm -hmm. um, how, do we, how do we communicate that in a way that a parent's brain goes, I really wanna say this, I really wanna do this. This is why I'm choosing parents the way I am. But now that I know it's really counterproductive, it's gonna have a paradoxical effect where I'm gonna have a negative outcome because of it. I might wanna rethink that. Mm -hmm. How do we give voice to all of that in a way that their brain goes, I just want to make the right decision. I just want to be a good parent. I just want to have a healthy child. I just want to do the right thing. We can give voice to all that as well too. Mm -hmm. This is how much, you know, latitude we have in motivational interviewing based on what our intention is. So whether it's in a team situation and somebody is being negative, quote unquote, or whether it's a parent who's being negative, quote unquote, or a spouse who's being negative or a child who's being negative, it's the same process. It's what is the level of mastery 
that I have to hold a mirror up in such a way that the person actually sees themselves in the least filtered way as possible. So there's, it's as unfiltered as possible so they can see themselves purely and then decide, is this who I wanna be? Is this representative of who I am? Is this that I'm putting out there right now in this moment in time, is that who I really wanna portray myself as? Is it how I see myself? Mm-hmm. How masterfully I do that, I think is the, the strategy and the skill that we look at it, at least from a motivational lens. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and I know we're, um, I think, coming up on looking at some time here coming up for, for this uh, longer uh, discussion. I think we could keep going on it. But one thing that came to mind, Casey, when you were talking, is kind of this spectrum that's completely ambiguous to my mind here that I'll try to say if you're in the, the listening, I'll add a visual on the screen. but like one end of this spectrum seems to be motivational interviewing where it's completely otherness centered, otherness oriented, like to the max degree as we can possibly make it completely other person centered. And then on the kind of opposite end of the spectrum to what we were, you know, this is completely made up right now on my right right hand on one end is motivational interviewing. It's going to be this radical honesty thing, which is completely me perspective, my, I, me, uh, not even a we, just me. (laughs) And it's like on one end of the spectrum is this otherness focus. And on this other end of the spectrum is the complete me saying whatever I want, whatever I feel, you know, completely authentic um, self toddler or adult, (laughs) complete self oriented. And so that you have these ends of the spectrum and in between there are different communication methods we hear about from different people. But it's so interesting, Casey, when you said that, because this one doesn't really take into account anything. And I don't know enough about it to speak to it intelligently, but the the radical honesty on that side of it is so much about me and I that we lose the even possibility of the we, like you brought up, you lose the other in that process, possibly. There is a place as we've talked about in certain things for healthy boundaries if you're in a relationship or whatever so uh, there might be a place to be honest now how radical that is and how much you want to take into account the middle of this spectrum that's where other things come in that you can experiment with that aren't motivational interviewing if you wish you know crucial conversations people ask about that that's somewhere in this spectrum of me but also the other person that has a, a specific thing to it um I don't know, nonviolent communication is one that's more towards the other, but still has some me with trying to take into account, not diagnosing people and symptomizing, but that there's a healthy line in the sand. So there are other communication things out there that are either completely me focused, but I just wanted to highlight that, Casey. This is so much the other person focused that if we're not aware of that, we can easily accidentally slip into making it about us and making it about our perspective versus making it about them as it relates to the team meeting, them as it relates to their uh, intentions and desires on their mountain. And I just really wanted to give voice to that because that's so different than even mixing the two and building relationship with people in the middle and then not building relationship and just being radically honest at the other side of it. Very true also. Very much so. Yes. So as we're coming presumably to a close with our time here, I'm wondering, are there last thoughts or anything around um, negativity and MI? Uh, Casey, you gave such great examples of how to do certain kinds of reflections. 
anything else you wanted to add or anything else on your mind? I'll just, I'll just summarize with what we've kind of talked about is it obviously when people are being negative, it's predictable and probable. The majority of people are going to have a negative response to other people being negative. Mm -hmm. um, and in MI, we just identify that as a, a normal human writing reflex. You know, either we don't see it as right or it's triggering something in us that wants us to make it right since they're being wrong. Um, so in MI, you just look through that lens of, you know, I need to manage my writing reflex. The more I come across as detached from their outcome, the more the way I speak is going to not feed into the negative energy that's going on. If I'm going to feed into the negative energy, I'm going to get more negative energy. Um, so it just makes sense, you know, just like throwing baking soda on fire. You just want to neutralize it. You know, you want to neutralize that oxygen. And when people feel heard and understood, that tends to neutralize heat. Um, they tend to be less heated if they feel heard and understood. That's where empathy comes from. And so when somebody's being negative, if they feel heard and understood, but we don't just stop there, we would reflect into the values and that assuming positive intent that they want to be professional, they want to be, you know, they want to be supportive, they want to be loving, they want to be productive, whatever what we know that they probably want as an ultimate goal and value all things being equal. We want to lean into that and, and paint that picture of who they are and invite them to move into that and what that would look like from here. So those are the, the base ways that I look at when somebody's being negative, how do we, if we're trying to be mindful and strategic and aware of it, those from an MI lens, that's what it would look like. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a beautiful note to go out on. All right then. With that, we are here as the MI guys and the IFISC team to help you uh, be the communication solution that will change your world. And in so doing, we want to hear from you. We encourage and invite and welcome any and all comments, questions you have to Casey at IFISC.com. And we would love to riff off of them, go deeper into them, make skill building activities based off of them whatever would serve you best. And of course, you can see us at ifisc.com for any other services we have. For now, we'll just sign off and say thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.